0: following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. All right. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you are all here today. Welcome to you if you are a regular. Welcome to you if you're a guest. And welcome to you if you are somewhere in between and you're not sure which one you are just yet. I'm glad that you are all here with us. Um, uh, If you didn't uh, catch my name at the beginning, I'm Scott. I'm the pastor here at Artisan Church. And uh, it is really a delight to see all of you here today. Uh, June is National Refugee Awareness Month. And uh, so we're doing something special today. Artisan is observing today, June 11th, as Refugee Sunday. And um, as part of what we're doing today and what we're doing throughout the month of June, we have uh, a lovely photography exhibit that will be here all month in our sanctuary. And you'll hear a lot more about that in a little bit. Um, but to give you a little background, if you are newer to the artisan community, even like if you've just started coming in the last month or two, you may not be aware, um, that care and concern for refugees is something that has come to be really important to us as a church community. We've, we found it's consistent with our foundational values, a great way of living those out, and it's um, something that has uh, been brought to our attention this year more than ever, um, as you know uh, earlier this year, certain political decisions caused a, a major reduction in federal funding for refugee resettlement, and uh, that had a really uh, significant impact on local nonprofits, um, including uh, Catholic Family Center, which is the the hub of uh, refugee resettlement uh, charitable work in our city. Thank you, Dan and uh, As a result of that cut in funding, uh, Catholic Family Center uh, expected to have to cut their uh, caseworker staff, their support staff, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, from from eight and a half full-time positions down to one and a half full-time positions. And so you can imagine how that would have a dramatic impact on their ability to care for and uh, minister to and serve the refugee population that's already here in Rochester uh, to say nothing of those who were due to arrive. And when we heard that, uh, we as a church set... To raising some money and I couldn't be prouder of the artisan uh, community because in a year when you already have been very generous in your regular giving and um, being faithful in the ways that you need to be faithful to keep our regular ministry going, we raised an additional um, $8,590 as a church to donate to Catholic Family Center. And other groups in the region did similar things and as a result of this call to action, this, um, this opening of the wallets, um, Catholic Family Center was able to maintain four and a half case, caseworker positions um, and many of their drivers. Yes, it's definitely something we should applaud. <laughs> now, we were a part of that work. We, we were not the whole thing by any stretch of the imagination, um, but we were a part of that work and we're so proud to have been a part of that work. Um, we've done some other things. We, we, uh, we were collecting clothes. Do you remember there was a box out in the lobby? Uh, collecting clothes for a saint's place, uh, for refugees who needed uh, clothing. And um, the sign kept getting crossed out and a new number written that said, we have filled this bin three times. I think somebody printed it on a printer. And then it got crossed out and it was four, and crossed out in five, and crossed out six. And then we filled it eight times by the, by the time we were done with that. Um, and so this is something that has become important to us as we've become aware of the need. And I'm really... Uh, Proud of all of you and honored to be part of this work with you. Um, But my sense is that many of us, many of you, maybe um, all of us to some degree, did this kind of simply out of the goodness of our hearts. We thought it was the right thing to do, right? It may be true, I don't want to say this necessarily, but it might be true that some of us did it to score political points uh, against a political reality that we didn't like very much. Maybe that's not the purest of motives, but it still happened, which is an interesting thing to consider. But many of us just felt it was right. We couldn't have necessarily given you a verse out of the Bible for why we did it, why we gave the money, why we brought the clothes in, why we cared. But there is a verse. Uh, Actually, there's more than one. (laughs) I'm going to limit myself to to two. One one little passage in in the book of, can you guess, Leviticus. Leviticus, that warm fuzzy book we find in the Old Testament. <laughs> Leviticus nineteen, thirty three and thirty-four says this. I'm reading the NIV translation, which is not the one we usually use, but it says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Can you imagine? a group of people whose entire cultural and religious identity was tied up in their parentage, that is, their ethnicity and their locality and the fact that they were part of this tribe, this family, this nation of people, being told by their God, you have to treat foreigners who were born elsewhere as if they were native-born. By the way, Leviticus 19 is a beautiful book of the Bible. You should read it. Jesus quotes it when he says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's from Deuteronomy. And the second one is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. It's also from Leviticus 19. This is a book that's, that's entirely concerned with rules and regulations about how to worship God. Leviticus. And so what it says to me is that there's something about welcoming strangers or foreigners or aliens is what our translation said. And that seemed a little, a little hard, a little harsh. That word maybe is not as, as nice to say. Um, whatever word you use, there's something about welcoming people from other places into your place that's part of what it means to worship God correctly. It's not just something you do because it feels good. It's not something that you do to score political points. It's not something you do so you can um, update your status on Facebook and get lots of likes and hearts and wows. It's something you do because it's it's part of what it means to worship God in accordance with God's laws for worship. And if we close our doors to those who are seeking comfort and safety among us, we have closed our hearts to the true worship of God. So it's in the spirit of worshiping the God of Israel and the God, indeed, of the whole world that Artisan has decided to celebrate today as Refugee Sunday. And I'm going to invite uh, David Howe to come up, uh, a member of our social justice team and somebody who himself works closely with the local refugee community. Thank you, David, for being here. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to David, and he's going to tell us all about what's coming next and, and introduce some others as well. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Jemasi. All right. So I'm gonna teach you a little bit of Nepali this morning. So um, everybody who's done yoga knows when you greet each other you say namaste, right? Well in in Nepal, Nepali culture, Bhutanese Nepali culture, becoming a Christian is so radical, it actually changes the way that you greet each other. So when Christians greet each other in, in Bhutanese Nepali culture you say jemasi, So I, you just say it back and forth to each other, so i 'll try one more time. Jamess C. C Thank you. Good morning. All right. this morning, I am so excited about I could go on for the next hour about why this morning is exciting and meaningful to me, um, but there are more important people than me to to say words today um, and while i 'm giving announcements i 'd like to invite We have a number of guests with us today. From the uh, from the Nepali Community Bible Church, could you guys come up with me? You guys can start set, get, setting up, uh, getting set up while I'm, while I'm talking. All right. So refugees here in Rochester, as many of you know, Rochester is a resettlement hub here in New York State, and um, there are a number of refugees here in Rochester. And I have good news for you, as Pastor Scott just alluded to. There are there there have been a number of political obstacles in this last year, and things right now are looking up. So um, the recent budget that was recently approved, the federal budget, the refugee resettlement program is now fully funded for the next year, and yes, and so here in Rochester we now have we're anticipating 40 to 60. Refugees per month coming in. So things, things are picking up. Things are looking good. Um, so this is, this is wonderful news for us. And it, as Scott mentioned already, this is Refugee Awareness Month. Specifically, um, June 20th is recognized by the United Nations as World Refugee Day, um, honoring the courage, strength, and determination of women and children who were forced to flee their homeland under the threat of persecution and conflict and violence. And there are a number of events. This is one small event that's going on in honor of of this event of this month. Uh, There are other events coming on. A week from yesterday, so on June 17th, from 2 o'clock to 7 o'clock, there will be events. I don't have a slide, so if you have a pen and paper, if uh, participating in events in the community is exciting to you, this might be something you want to write down. Um, So from starting at 2 o'clock from Washington Square Park, there is going to be a... Parade. And that's going to start from Washington Square Park and end at City Hall. After this, uh, starting at 4 o'clock at Jones Square Park, which is at 130 Saratoga Avenue, there will be more cultural events. A number of refugees from the community will be gathered there, and there will be a number of speakers, including Lovely Warren and Louise Slaughter. So I'd encourage you to come out, show your support for the refugee community, and and rub shoulders with with some refugees as well. Um, Fantastic! Awesome, awesome to know there are more people in the community who are working with refugees. Um, uh, some other events that are coming up on uh, on on June twenty fifth from three to six, there's a benefit concert at um, uh, the Lutheran Church of the Incarnate Word on five ninety seven East Ave. And then way down the road on September 9th, there's another cultural uh, musical event on Charlotte Beach, and that'll be from three to seven o'clock. Now. So it's exciting to go to a church that's exciting, excited about refugees, it's exciting to attend cultural events, but in my mind, the most exciting thing is to get hands-on and work with refugees who are newly arrived in Rochester. Um, if this is something that you are interested in, if maybe you attended a training by Catholic Family Center and didn't hand in your paperwork, um, <laughs> that was me for a while, um, or or if you're interested in getting involved in another way, I would encourage you to talk to myself, talk to Melody, email us, we are the social, our email is socialjustice at artisan, artisanchurch.com, um, get in touch with us and let us know that you would you'd would like to get involved. Yam, who is a deacon at, at the church, will be bringing a testimony for us, uh, and then after that, Arlene, who. Put together all of these beautiful photographs around us. Um, some of you know her from the past. She did a display on homelessness in Rochester and really opened our eyes to a lot of the issues that are around us. Um, so after Yam is done speaking, Arlene will come and, and share a word as well. Um,
2: Good morning, one and all. Jamessi. Uh, you already knew the word Jamessi. Uh, it was great explanation from David, Dr. David, and uh, a little bit more about it. JMSC it works every time. Like whenever it is in the morning, afternoon, evening, night, midnight, whenever it is JMC. So no good morning, no like good afternoon. Uh, it works every time. And the other thing is like JMC word is the meaning of it is. Uh, Glorify God, glorify Jesus. So it works all the time. Uh, so once more again, James to all. Uh, little bit about me. I am Yam from Nepali Bible, uh, Nepali Community Bible Church, Rochester, New York. Uh, I was born in Bhutan, but uh, Nepali, Nepali born in Bhutan. So before that. Let me go a little bit about my life. So I already told you I was born in Bhutan, grew up uh, high school for four years. So I was in grade four when I left Bhutan. Uh, We had, as I remember, we had land, properties, cattle, and happy life. As I knew, or I, as I experienced, everybody was happy back in Bhutan. Uh, so a little bit about Bhutan. It's a very small country. Very small means like it is 48,000 square kilometer. Just that, it's, uh, maybe 11 times smaller than the size of California. So it's very small country. Uh, let me have a point about it. Some notes. So, as it is said, uh, we have a record or uh, report that the Nepalese people start living in Bhutan back in 1620. It is believed like that. So we just read it. Uh, we got information from the sources, so it is said it is, Buddhist people started to live in Bhutan since 1620 uh, it was one of the uh, lamas so it is a, like a preacher invited people from Nepal just for the craft work artwork and then they started living in Bhutan and as I know because I was live at that time in nineteen hundred and ninety so there was a uh, problem rose in Bhutan like till then everybody was happy. there was free school, free medical they have their own property they have they were happy so but in nineteen hundred ninety uh, that was political issues like cleansing of nepali ethnic from bhutan because of uh, they started a national dress code national dress code is called diklam namja that is a bhutanese word in a national language it means a rule created by a, con- a government and it said diklam namja that means every Nepali or all the citizens must wear the national dress in public, in school, or everywhere. And that was difficult for the people, Nepali, especially Nepali people, to wear that dress everywhere in the work, in the school. And more than that, Nepali people were supposed to speak Jonka language, that is the national language of Bhutan. So It was hard for them to understand. Like here, uh, Buddhist people are finding difficult to understand English. It was the same problem to them there too. Because it was hard for them to learn the new language, uh, mostly in the southern part. And because of that, the government made it mandatory to wear the national dress everywhere. speak the national language everywhere. So it was made mandatory it was difficult for them to speak, uh, difficult for them to survive, and difficult for them to carry on their life. That's why they raised a voice. We are not going to do this. Uh, they raised the voice. For that, the government accused the people that they are going anti-national or they are being opposed of the government. So I was accused accused that people had to move the country. Move out of the country, or live in the country, follow the rules of the government, or leave the country for so that the people they flew to Nepal, nearby country, and they uh, they and as well as me got a shelter in Nepal in a refugee camp, and it is very hard to say that it was the life was really difficult. The situation was really difficult in the camp. Because the people back in Bhutan, they were happy, they had they had everything. But in the camp, they had nothing, just a shelter, just a tent. And uh, had to survive there for like more than uh, 25 years. We lived there for like 20 years, and people are still living there, like maybe 7,000 to 10,000 people still living there. So, that's a little bit about the refugee life. So, the life was really difficult in the camp. And, so, uh, how do we come in Jesus? That's another curious thing you all like to know about it. Right. So, Back in Bhutan, we we are not allowed to use any religion because it is a Buddhist country, and 99.9% of Buddhist country. So little bit, a little uh, Hindu, and no Christian at all. So there were no Christian. It was not allowed to practice any Christianity in Bhutan. So we got a chance to uh, hear the word of God. We got a chance of uh, gospeling we got a chance to hear the gospeling in Nepal because Nepal was uh, sort of freedom country for religions not 100% but there was uh, some uh, freedom to practice any religion so we got chance to hear the word of God back in Nepal and uh, many people became a pastor preacher, and they accept Jesus as the God in Nepal. That was a grace to us. It was a mercy by the God to the abundant people. And uh, personally, me accept uh, Jesus here in Rochester. That was in 2009. Uh, I moved here in 2009, and I got Jesus here in Rochester, and I accept Jesus as my Lord at Rochester. So, since then, I'm a Christian. Uh, and, uh, that's what I, uh, what I think is, like, God is for all the people. I knew now, God is for all the people. God help those who are in depression, who are um, prosecuted, we were prosecuted politically, so God help us, have mercy on us, and bring us up in the line of opportunity, and I thank God for bringing us in the line of opportunity. As the word said, as I live, say the Lord, every knee will be bowed to me. And every tongue will give praise to God. So, from that I understand the word of God is in action. Because the knees, all the knees will bow before him. Time starts. That's why we are being Christian. He's choosing for us. He's choosing us and bring us from the land of to the line of opportunity. And uh, again, let me go a little bit back to Bhutan again. Uh, Since uh, 2008, uh, there is gross national happiness. The word gross national happiness is practiced in Bhutan. That means all the people inside Bhutan are happy. There is gross national happiness. But personally, in my opinion, uh, it should be practiced among the people inside the country and outside the border too. So we are a part of Bhutan, so we should get that happiness. It's not mean that we should fight against the government. It's not that we are ready to fight. It's not uh, we are complaining. But it's my request to all of you that let that happiness be among all the people of the world, like among all the goodness. That's my request. So, um, another thing, I'd like to thank God because God is our refuge. God is our refuge. So, He's our strength. I knew God keeps shelter. And God created a, create a land of freedom to everybody. So God has mercy on us. And he always pick people from the uh, difficulties, bad situation, and bring us under his grace. And uh, the other thing I knew from my life, life of a people is, doesn't have any gra- Guarantee that we can have a happy life forever. Sometimes the situation, sometimes the nature, bring people and make them our refugee. Like the flood, like the earthquake, like the fire accident, or anything else can make a people a refugee. So we become refugees at, or like a because of political reason. And for those for all of us no matter is uh, prosecuted, no matter uh, by nature, no matter by people, no matter by prosecution, but God bring all the people into his shelter, into his protection. So, I'm happy now, because I'm under his refuge. I'm refugee under his grace, under him. So, I thank God and uh, I request all of you that let that peace, let that happiness be all among us. Uh, Once again, I request you uh, the prayer. And uh, thank you one and all for bringing us here. Uh, I was wondering why we are invited here. I just knew... Uh, Dr. David Hogg, personally, because he went to our church last time. Uh, I, was, I had no idea why he invited us, but when, I, when we came here, we accept uh, the invitation. We came here, and we are glad. We are already uh, pleased by the welcome outside and inside the church. And uh, I thank you, uh, Pastor Scott, for being us here and whole uh, audition Church, and thank you, one and all, Jamesy.
3: Good morning. Can you hear me? I'm gonna, using my phone. I did not print out um, what my words today, so bear with me for one moment. And because I'm getting older, I need my glasses. Um so, thank you for having me here again. Um, my name is Arlene Thaler, and I think the last time that I came here, I was Arlene Hodge. Um, I've got a few ex-husbands, so there's a few different names each time I come. Um, but, so, <laughs> Melody, thank you so much for inviting me here um, and believing in the work that I do. It's, it means a lot to me. Uh, coming here today, to talk about, um, to show you the photos that I've taken um, is really wonderful. And one thing I've learned as a photojournalist for the last eight years is, even though I can go into a community and immerse myself, I can't tell the story. So I've invited a friend of mine, Bajaya Khadka, who will be speaking after me. So I will be brief. Uh, Good morning. I'm very honored to be here today, sharing with you the work that I do as a photojournalist. Um, I know this by heart, so I don't really know why I'm reading it, but in 2009, I spent a lot of time in Brooklyn. Um, it's kind of where the, my, begin, my roots of photojournalism started back then. Um, I was residing part-time in Coney Island, and I was taking the subway into Manhattan every day and walking for 12 hours a day for a very long time. Um, I had my camera with me, and I photographed everything I could, every one that I could, and uh, I was always drawn to photographing people who were different than me. Um, Street workers, refugees, homeless, um, people of another color. And when I would go back to the flat to edit my photos, really excited that maybe I got a really good shot. It's New York City. Um, I realized then that I didn't have I may have had good photos, but what I didn't have was the people's names. And I didn't have their stories. And I probably would never see them again in a city that big. And It was very gratuitous. It was a very unsettling feeling for me. Um, And so during that time, I came to the realization that, probably to the extreme, that capturing images was best through immersion. And I came back to Rochester full-time in 2012, and I put a hat on and carried a wool blanket, and I approached some homeless people living up on the railroad tracks Um, They were getting ready to be kicked out, and I asked if I could sleep with them for a little while. And they said, you're crazy. (laughs) So I did. Um, During that time, I followed them into the the parking garage, and by living with them for a brief moment, I could take those photos, look at them later, and realize that I know this person's name. I know their story, too. And maybe, just maybe, I could tell a little bit of their story and raise awareness to other people who... May look at a homeless person or someone in poverty would get a different opinion of them after looking at my photos. Um, throughout this time, I did have a home to go to. Um, I was living in the Edgerton neighborhood in Rochester, um, where I met Bajaya, <laughs> a neighborhood filled with thugs, drugs, and prostitutes, but a neighborhood also filled with wonderful neighbors and a large number of Nepalese refugees. I would wake up in the morning to the women in their bright and colorful clothing, elderly Nepalese men with their suits, red caps and sandals taking their daily walks, hands behind their backs. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know their names and their stories. Um, as a new session of the social reportage class that I teach over at Flower City Art Center um, was nearing, uh, this is probably at this time, 2013 or so, um, I had to come up with another topic another group of people to immerse myself in for my students. Um, So, of course, I chose our new American population because I was getting to know them. Um, Let's see here. The challenge now was how to immerse myself within a group of people that we do not speak the same language. I researched their customs and history as we slowly began making contact. At the time, it was namaste. I know different now. Um, And a lot of head bows. We attended their churches, walked their streets where they lived, and became very became a very familiar and friendly face to them in, in return. Their children translated for us the best they could. We started learning one another's names, and the head, the head nods now became familiar and warm. The months passed, and during one session of field work, the Monger family invited us over to spend a day in their home. Three generations of family members living under one roof. The house was filled with laughter and f- the smell of food, and I realized that with each group, with each groups of people that I've immersed myself with, that breaking bread really was the most, the most poignant moment, um, and <clears throat> that opened up room for trust. And it was a theme that has been recurring through my work that I do time and time again. Um, in 2013, I spent so- we're kind of going back again now. In 2013, I spent several months in one long summer sleeping at the House of Mercy. It was probably a very extreme move. (laughs) As the work I was doing there neared completion, although it's never complete, I do wrap up projects, but saying complete is very hard. I asked C.W. Ersley, who was there at the time and is still with the New House of Mercy, why do these people trust me? I don't understand um, this trust. And he said, You broke bread with them, Arlene. Um, So it's that simple. The photos that I do, all the photojournalism that I do, is through complete immersion. I try to live, eat, breathe, sleep with all the people that I I photograph, and it's something that I carry with me to this day. And I probably should be carrying a loaf of bread with me wherever I go because really breaking bread is the key to trust and understanding. So really quick, on this wall over here, I've got photos. For the last couple of years, I've been documenting upstate New York migrant and seasonal farm workers, um, Haitian, Jamaican, Mexican, there are, that's just a small part of the photos over there and they're very dear to my heart, very special. Um, and the other walls and up here are pictures of our Rochester New Americans here for you to look at. And if you Googled Arlene Thaler, you would pop up hundreds more photos that I've taken of our community. Um, but because I really can't tell their story, I'm passing the mic to Bajaya.
4: No Nepal is a, was a Hindu nation before, and in Nepal, you may know or may not Nepal has a more temple than houses. And Nepal has more garden goddesses than Nepali, people's population. think like more than 3,300,000 garden goddesses in all over the Nepal and 2,200,000 Nepali. Quite of <laughs> busy people. Yeah, so I would like to say a little bit about my story. And already my brother, he shared a few uh, related stuff. Okay, I would like you to imagine if you have to leave your country, if you have to leave your homeland at the midnight, abandoning, leaving everything that you have earned in your entire lifetime, because of the fear of prosecution, imagine with nothing but the clothes that you were wearing, you were sent to another country to live in a refugee camp for nearly plus 18 years without electricity and no running water. And imagine if you are in a new world where you do not know the language and the system and the culture and you look like an alien in the midst of busy people. Yes, my story is pretty much the same, not very different than what you have just imagined. I have been through this journey with hundreds and thousands of people. I am a witness of Nepali origin, origin, who had to become a refugee for almost 18 years in the country, Nepal that I say I'm originally from, after Bhutan government had expelled Nepali ethnic group from Bhutan because of their Nepali, Nepali origin, Nepali look. And Nepal took, them, Nepal took them in Nepal, letting them stay along in eastern border. But in refugee camps, under the condition of control movement, restricted ability to work, and Nepal refused to settle Bhutanese permanently. As a result, I grew up in a refugee camp. According to, uh, according to the UNHCR website, who are refugees? Okay, according to the UNHCR's website, a refugee is someone who has been forced to flee his or her country because of persecution, war, violence. A refugee has a well-founded fear of persecution for reason of race, religion, nationality, political opinion, and membership in a particular social group. Most likely, they cannot return home or are afraid to do so. War and ethnic tribal and religious violence are leading causes of refugees fleeing, fleeing their country. I grew up learning that I am a refugee boy expelled from my own homeland, abandoned, every rejected, abandoned and rejected by the country of my ancestors. I am weak and pony because I am stateless a refugee. I belong to nowhere. I do not have even a small piece of land to claim that is mine. And so on and on. In all of those, the most painful part of my life are those moment moments when I had to max my identity to mainly my dignity. To maintain my dignity. The moments when I had to introduce myself to others as someone else. It was very frustrating, but I had no choice. It was better for me to be the others than to be the victim of rejection, hatred, and prejudice. I made false statements or identity so many times because it was better for me to be someone unknown other than suffering from humili- humiliation and discrimination. I always wished if I could delete the tag of refugee permanently from every part of my body, mind, and soul. However, it was not that easy. It remained as unfulfilled dream until when the great nation on the earth, famously known U.S., opened their borders to Bhutanese refugees. In 2009, October, with the hundreds and thousands of others, others refugee, I arrived in the heaven of Rochester, New York, to which now I call my home. Rochester certainly has become a safe heaven for thousands of others like me. It has given identity to those who were identityless and given hope of bright future to those who were waiting for their dark future. When looking at my seven years of journey, I have gathered both good and bad experience in these things that I even don't want to remember. There are things that I don't even want to remember and the things that I will treasure for the rest of my life. In this journey of my seven years, I came across many people. Some ignored me, some rejected me, and some dumped me. However, there were those beautiful people like Arlene who walked with me when I was struggling to nave uh, my way for good. They stood by me when I needed them the most. They are the reason, they are the reason who I have become today. I have and will always hold them dearly until the day I take my last breath. I had once almost lost my identity and had no hope for the future. Today I am someone who has a dream and in the dream hope, the hope where my dreams come true. Today I know that, today I know what I want to do. I know how I can contribute to my community and beyond. It became possible not only by my effort and hard work, because of those people who have beautiful heart and were hospitable and gracious to me when my needs were real. My decision to come to America here is not only because this country is very rich, Not because this country is very developed and not because this country is well known to be the land of opportunity. But because I came here because I was tired of living a refugee life, alien among my own people. I wanted to feel accepted and I learned that the people of this country would let me be who I am and accept me the way I look and the way I sound. In the recent days, so, many, so, many, so much things is going on. I have seen, heard, and read so much, but my limited knowledge is incapable of comp- comprehending all those political stuff. I always have and will have a relationship on the subject. I am nowhere near arguing for or against the last EO on refugee ban. I think I am too naive to discuss On the topic, however, I am perplexed and troubled by reading and hearing some of the comments floating around on the social media from some people, even from Christian, about refugees. People in the end, I would like to conclude by saying this let us do what we need, let us do what we do not out of sympathy, but out of empathy. Let us not be loving and caring just because we are privileged, and they are pitiable. Let us not be loving and caring just because we have food to feed, and they are hungry. Let us not be loving and caring those just because you feel horrible in doing so, and people will applaud you for doing so. But let us love and let us loving. Let us be loving and caring because that is the right thing to do. Finally, I would like to conclude by saying this. Refugees are not garbage, but they are assessed when properly used. Thank you.
0: A beautiful, beautiful day. this has been already. Uh, and I uh, I'm so inspired by everything that we've heard and seen. I, I love what um, Arlene said about breaking bread that this is how uh, you truly come to know somebody and, and be considered part of a family. And of course, this is the symbol of, uh, for, for Christians of having joined the family of God in Jesus. And so, I'd like to conclude by inviting you to come and partake uh, of the Lord's Supper. Artisan's communion table is an open table, meaning that you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion with us. You simply have to be a member of God's family in His Son, Jesus. And if you're following Jesus today, uh, I would love for you to join together with this community in partaking of this sacrament. You can come and take a piece of the bread and remember Christ's body which was broken for us. And dip it in one of the cups. We have wine and juice. Please use the one that would be more appropriate for you and for your family. Dip the bread in the cup and remember Christ's blood which was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And then you take that into your own body. You receive the body of Christ into yours. And in that way, we are made into the body of Christ, the church. So we'll sing uh, some songs together as we take communion. If you are not a follower of Jesus and would simply prefer to, to observe and um, maybe think and meditate, that's okay too. I promise no one will look sideways at you if you choose that. We will have a member of our prayer team at the back uh, of the room if you'd like to receive personalized prayer during this time. And uh, parents, I would ask you to go and relieve our wonderful teachers uh, and volunteers uh, in the children's ministry. And they can take, kids can take communion with you if you wish as well. So our table is open. Let's continue to worship God with all that we have.
2: For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.